that God is still God. And even after he had laid that, that thought on my heart, I saw it again yesterday. So I think there's verification right there. That's the direction we need to go in. So the title of today's message is God is God. And some of you are going to say, well, well duh. Some of you go, yeah. Uh, there was a song years ago by a Christian artist named Stephen Curtis Chapman. And he, uh, his song was entitled God is God. And it didn't really hit me the, the relevance of that back then. Uh, as a matter of fact, it may have annoyed me a little bit because I probably thought, well, duh, you know. But, but the story that we're going to talk about this morning and some of the things that we're going to share are going to show us kind of what we sang in the first song, the words of Job, whether the Lord gives or whether he takes away, he is still God. Whether things are great or things are bad, he is still God. He doesn't change. And there is comfort in that. And there is peace in that. Would you agree to that? Because he's always constant. You don't ever really have to guess what God thinks or feels about something. Because right there in the Word, it tells us everything that we need to know. Sometimes we just have to open it up and look for it. That's what we're going to do this morning. As we turn to Daniel chapter 3, in the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 3, and we think about the thought that God is God. And I want us to begin uh, uh, with verse number 17, verses 17 and 18 of Daniel chapter 3. And I'm going to go ahead and read those. Sounds like we're still turning there a little bit, give you a chance. Sometimes those Old Testament prophets, those Old Testament books, a little hard to find. Uh, but Daniel chapter 3, verse number 17. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. So those are our, our two uh, verses to jump off of this morning. And if you are familiar with the story of the Hebrew children and the fiery furnace, you know what is being said here. And in essence, what is being said in these two verses is, well, if he delivers us, he's God. And if he doesn't, he is God. Now, do we approach the things in our lives the same way? If I get the promotion, you're God. If I don't get the promotion, you're God. If the marriage works, you're God. If something happens and it doesn't, you're God. If we're able to conceive and have children, you're God. If we're unable to, you're God. You know, those are some very personal things, but I don't know how much more personal you can get than a person realizing that they're about to die. And whether they die or whether they live, God is still God. You know, I don't know if we think about this this much, but some, somewhere in the world today, somebody is probably going to have a gun pointed towards them because of their faith. You ever think much about that? Maybe somewhere in the world today, uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ are in jail, maybe being tormented because they have decided to have a Bible study in their home, which is considered against the law wherever they are. But rather than deny their faith, rather than 
than lie and say they don't believe in God. They they take a stand and they say, in essence, well, if you take me and you throw me in jail and you torture me and it ends in death, he is still God. If he he saves me from that and I live, he is still God. That's what our brothers and sisters, that's what the persecuted church throughout the world is saying. But we don't think about that much here in America. Not really, except now maybe as things have kind of taken a turn in our culture, maybe these things seem a little closer than they do distant. Maybe it's a little bit more close to home. You know, we've got groups in our country right now who are pulling down statues and destroying historical sites. And I don't know where you stand on that issue, but some of them have made it very clear that the next step are churches and religious places. So what does that tell us? Not everyone has said that, but the comment has been made and there has been destruction in places of worship. What do we do with that? How, how do we feel about that? What, what's, our, what's our response to that? Because this is a potential new reality. You know, we, all, we always think, well, things will work out in the end and, and everything will be okay. But what if they're not? What if things get progressively worse? Um, what if things don't change for the better? And what about me personally, uh, as far as being a Christian and standing up for my beliefs and, and what I believe in, if it comes down to it, would I be willing to stand up for my faith if it meant my death, if it meant life and death to me? Would I be willing to stand up for that? Because really, so far, being a Christian hasn't cost me a whole lot. Maybe some, maybe some embarrassing situations. Maybe some people giving you a little side eye there. There's one of those religious nuts there. You know, it's not, not really cost me a whole lot. But what if it came to the point where I could lose life or limb? Would I still be willing to stand firm and stand up for what I know is right and for what I believe in? And sometimes do you wonder that, that our culture is training us to, to be afraid or training us to not be willing to take a stand for what is right. And, you know, we have to consider these things. And we've give, been given ample examples in the Word of God to see how progressively things can get worse. But it's been very comfortable up to this point in my life to be a Christian, to be honest with you. Um, the majority of my life is, is in the church. I come here every day. Um, I worship here on the weekends. Uh, because of COVID, I go to the grocery store every now and then, and that's about it. So it's pretty comfortable. I mean, you know, go to church, go to the grocery store, go to church, go to the grocery store, you know, go around, drive a little bit, maybe maybe venture into Walmart, uh, see what's going on there this week, you know. It's been pretty comfortable. But that you have to take into consideration what Jesus said about being a Christian. And he said in John chapter 15, verse 20, he said, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And he said in, in to his disciples, he said that they would be betrayed even by their parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death, you will be healed, 
you will be hated rather by all because of my name. So how many of us have really considered the cost of being a Christian if things get progressively worse in our society, in our culture, in our in our country? Uh, we sing the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. And it's easy to sing that song in a church on a Sunday morning. But are there are there uh, situations in your life where it would be hard for you to say that out loud or sing that to someone or to admit that you have that you do follow Jesus? Because really, we, we are blessed. We sing, blessed be the name of the Lord, and I will bless the Lord forever. But boy, we've been blessed, haven't we? You know, we're able to, to live and, and work and buy and sell and live and love in this country. We are, we are so blessed. But one day, could you see where, as Christians... They do more than just mock us and they do more than just try to silence us on Facebook and Twitter and on YouTube. And it comes to a point where they say that it is illegal for you to go to church or it is illegal for you to carry a Bible out in public or it is illegal for you to share your faith with someone. It's illegal to have a Bible study in your home. And if it came to that, would we be willing to bend a knee to public pressure or would we be willing to take a stand for what we believe in and even more important is the answer to this question what are the what are my thoughts about God as I contemplate these things what do I think about God how dare you God you have this you have allowed a disruption of my existence God why are you doing this why why can't you make things the way they used to be or do we, do we follow along the same lines as the Hebrew children we're going to talk about here in a few minutes? Well, you know, back then when things were fine, God was God. Things are all shook up and tore up and messed up right now, but He's, he's still God, and I'm still thinking about the promised land. Where, where are we at? Do we say, God, you're still God? No matter what, you're still God. First Chronicles 16.25 says this about our God. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods. And these words don't apply to God just when things are good. They apply to Him at all times. When things are good, when things are going bad, at all times, God is God. He is still God. You know, sometimes when we pray, God answers our prayers just like we prayed them. That happens sometimes, doesn't it? Just like we pray, God answers our prayers. And we just have no problem praising Him when things like that happen. But what about when He answers to the opposite of what you asked? You know, sometimes we pray and we pray for a miracle. We pray for a, a healing of some sort. And that takes place and we're just all excited and we're ready to get together and give God praise. But sometimes we pray and we pray and call out to God and we ask people to join us in prayer. And even through our calling out to God and our fervent prayer, God still allows something still allows something to happen. That person doesn't live. That person dies or that cancer is back and it's wreaking havoc on a person's body. In that situation, is God any less worthy of our praise? It's easy to give mouth service and say, well, of course he is. But what about when you're stuck right in the middle of that? 
what, what is our response? What is, what is my response? Because we have to understand that he is worthy of praise all the time. And he is our sovereign God. And he knows what's best. And he knows what's good. And I don't know. Sometimes I look at our culture right now. And I think that we're headed for some really difficult days. As far as believers and Christians. That we may be headed for some type of oppression. Um, or, or persecution even. Who knows. But whether that happens or not. You and I as children of God. As believers of Jesus Christ. As people who have decided to follow Jesus, we look to our future with a hope. Because of what Lindsay sang this morning. That's one of the reasons. We look to our future with hope because God is God. God is still God. And trouble sometimes, we've had troubles all our lives. If I asked you to sit down and tell me some of the troubles you've had in your life... Every season of your life, you could tell me something that you've had to go through. Probably something that you're still going through. There's a, here's a reality that when Jesus comes back to take us home, we're probably all going to be going through some kind of trouble or some kind of difficulty. I think what we can say with that, looking at that, and also looking at Scripture, is that trouble sometimes have never been anything new for God's people. Trouble sometimes are nothing new. Persecution is nothing new. And that's what we see in the story of the Hebrew children. We see in this story, we see that even though government was going to deny God, these Hebrew children would not. And even though higher authorities might be willing to deny God, He is still God. God has been denied throughout centuries. It doesn't make him any less God. It doesn't make him any less real. It doesn't matter who denies him. And in this story, there was a king, a supposed great king. I think the greatest thing about him is his name. And I think the greatest thing about you is if you can spell it. His name was King Nebuchadnezzar. And let's stop right there. King Nebuchadnezzar. And what he did is he's, he erected this huge golden statue. And what he wanted was for all the princes, all the governors, all the captains, all the, all the treasurers and judges, all the people, all the rulers of all the provinces. We wanted them to gather around this image of gold and bow down and worship. Now, How ridiculous is that? You've got an image of gold and you're supposed to bow down and worship this image of gold. What do you, how do you worship an image of gold? Oh, great, uh, silent, immovable one. What do, you, what do you do? Oh, how you gleam in the sunshine. I mean, it just feels weird to us. When we worship the Lord, we know what that means. We use our heart, we use our mouth, we use our hands, uh, our whole being to tell you, God, we love you, we adore you, we acknowledge you, you are all that we need. But, but bowing down... To worship a statue just seems ridiculous. And he also said, if you don't bow down and worship this statue, then you're going to be bound up and you're going to be cast into a fiery furnace and you're going to be burned and you will die. So, you know, he's, he's not the first ruler that cast up an image, set up an image and, and told people to worship it. He's not the first. And I'll tell you what, in our government, uh, we've had many that 
choose to deny God. Many that deny God. You see atheism on the rise. You see secularism and humanism on the rise. Uh, you see God, tr they're trying to ban God from schools and, and prayer from schools and Bible from schools and the Ten Commandments from courthouses. We've seen that. We know all about that, what they've tried to do. And that's futile because you can't take God out of school because God is everywhere. He's omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. And he's always there. So that's futile. They can think what they want, but he's always there. And as long as, we've said this before, as long as they give tests in school, there will be prayer in school. Am I right, students? Please let me pass this test. Yes, absolutely. But that's what, that's what our history has been. And, and we see more and more immorality is being endorsed by our government. I love it when a, a president is willing to stand up and, and talk about God and how important it is to pray and how we need churches and our churches are essential. But I'm, I'm saddened when I, when I see other, hear things come out of a leader's mouth that do not represent a Christian and what we believe. It's so frustrating and it's so disheartening. And it's a back and forth. Oh, yay, he said something about God. Oh, no, he said that. And it's not just, we're not just talking about the high office of president. We're talking about all elected officials across the board. So many denying God and endorsing immorality. And, you know, let's just go ahead and say it. Legalizing abortion. Legalizing the murder of babies. I, don't, I know there are different levels of understanding and feeling about that. But I have to say, bottom line, that, that that is legalizing murder. Now, there are situations, I understand there are situations that seem like it might be the best thing to do. And my prayer is that no, nobody would ever have to go through that and even consider that decision. But God is God, and God decides. Who, when, God decides when it's my time to go. God decides when it's your time to go. But there is such a, such a move to get behind this, even by people who years ago said, no, 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 we'll never get behind that. And now they're getting behind it. And do you see the, the way that, you know, ever how the wind blows, we're going to go this way and we're going to go that way. And God's still God. And what God feels and what God says never changes. And then there are those who are trying to redefine marriage and what marriage should be and what it should be allowed to be. And it just feels right and it just seems like this should be the way that we should go. But how many things have felt right and seemed right and were wrong? And how, why not go all the way back to what the Word of God says and let's just do what God said because God is God. Should there ever be any debate on whether or not we do this or that? If God says no, then it's no, no, no. I mean... If God says it, then we should do it. If he says not to do it, we should not do it. And it has become abundantly clear through the years that many people believe that God is not welcome and should not be welcome in certain places and in, in certain situations. And I just want God everywhere. And I want him welcome everywhere. Because where God is, there's healing. Where God is, there's love. Where God is, there is forgiveness. Now, I see the emotion as I mention some of these things. 
And I and I appreciate that. But along with that emotion and along with that fire and vigor that we have, we must have love for those who are caught up in these things and have a misunderstanding of what God really wants. Because not being led of God, they're led by the enemy and they see absolutely nothing wrong with what they're doing. But as God's people, we know right and we know what's wrong and we have a responsibility and love to help people see and lead people to the truth. We're supposed to go and make disciples. We're not supposed to go and make people comfortable and make people feel good about their decisions. We're here to give truth in love. And it is there by the grace of God that could be us in that situation. Which shows us the importance of, how, of we need to pray and we need to love one another. That's what he said to do. That's what he said to do. And it's hard. It's hard to stand up here and discuss these things. But they must be discussed. And you, you have to look at our, at our country on both sides of the political spectrum and see that there are ungodly things being said and ungodly things going on. But in the midst of that, I know that God is God. And I know that the future for God's children is very, very bright. And what we're going through is temporary. If you're struggling on one side of this or one side of that, take heart. You will not struggle forever. Because one day the, all decisions will be made, things will be taken care of, and we won't have to worry about it anymore. And, and that's our hope. And we look forward to that. And you should be able to come to church and be encouraged by that. But we should also come to church and be encouraged by the truth. And if we hear truth and we're living the opposite of truth, then we allow God to help us change and live the right way. Not William's way, not Rick's way, not Gail's way, but God's way. Because William's not God, Rick is not God, and Gail is not God. God is God. But we see that. We see that higher authorities and governments and kings throughout history have encouraged us to worship things other than God. Bow down to things other than God. We think about how silly it is to bow down before a statue. A golden statue. But how many of us bow down at the altar of our job? Yeah, I've got to go to work. I can't go to church. Before you get mad at me. I understand. Sometimes you got to work. You got to you got to provide for your family. Do your the people that you work with know that you love to go to church and it's a struggle for you to come to work when you know you you would like to be at church? There I'm not condemning you and I'm not judging you because as a Christian there is therefore now no condemnation for you. But there are good choices and bad choices that we we can make and as Christians we cannot just make good choices, we can make great ones. Sometimes we bow down at the foot of the statue, the idol of our jobs. Sometimes we worship people. Sometimes we, we worship uh, our significant other, our husband or our wife, or even our kids. Our kids dictate everything we do. And everything that we do is for them. And oh, what a great parent you are if you do that. But as part of what you do for your children, make sure that they have a, uh, an education in the things of God and what the Bible says? Or do we make sure that they get to cheerleading practice, to uh, a softball, football practice, uh, get to do their, their uh, overnights with their friends, and uh, get the new, all the new gadgets and technology for them? And then if there's time, 
then if there's time, we'll get them to church. We bow down at a lot of different altars. How about the altar of me time? You know, I've been working hard, and I just kind of want to chill this weekend. I don't want to have to get dressed and go to church. I, I don't want to have to socially distance from somebody and wear a mask. I don't want to do that. I'll stay at home and watch something on the Internet. And thank God we can do that. And some people need to do that because they're not quite ready to step out in, into, into public again. And, and God will help them with that. But if the reason that people are not going to church is because they're lazy and they don't want to come, then there's an issue there. But if they're struggling, let's pray for them. We're not here to judge. We're not here to do that. There are a lot of things we bow down to. And a lot of things we stand up for. I believe in standing up for the rights of my, of my brothers and sisters of another color who have struggled and gone through all of this all their lives. I believe in standing up for them. I believe in standing up for those who make alternate decisions in their relationships because if someone doesn't stand up for them, then who's going to stand up for them? Well, I stand up for God too, but you know, sometimes, sometimes I'm not sure I 100% believe the Bible or I 100% can back up what the Bible says. Trouble, trouble, trouble. We are headed for trouble because the enemy has come in and he's whispered something to you and we believed it. I've done that. I've done that too. We all have. But we always have to go back to the source of all truth, which is the Word of God. We've got to be willing to do that. It's not, it's not making a decision based on our feelings or the way culture is swaying. It's not a decision based on uh, what our friends are doing or what my best friend, who's been my best friend for life, is doing. I've got to do what they're doing because, you know, we stick together. But even when those closest to us are making decisions that don't honor God, we've got to be willing to say, no, I can't, I can't support that, and I can't do that. My brother, my sister, my friend, I love you, and I know you love me. I can't support that. I support you in other things, but I can't support that. Now, I love you, and I want to reiterate that. But, you know, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. You pray for me. And sh let's pray that God will show us what we need to do here. What's wrong with doing that? It's so much easier, isn't it, to get mad and storm off and walk away? Type a little something on Facebook. Feel a little self-righteous. Uh, get, get one over on somebody. And then post it. And then get 34, 40, 50 likes and think, yeah, I was right. But how many times have people in history been willing to back up something that's wrong? Just look at abortion. Just look at redefining marriage. These are just two of the big ones. There are so many others. So even though government is willing to deny God, God is still God, right? God is still God. And sometimes it's not the higher authorities or the government that's willing to deny Him. It's the world around us that rejects Him. I want us to look at verse number 7 of Daniel chapter 3. It says here that therefore at that time when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, hark, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. 
So we see here, once again, the king has said, you've got to bow down. You've got to worship this idol. It's a decree. You have to do it. So for many people there, for the majority of the people there, it was no issue to bow down in front of this statue. No issue at all for them. Because they had no convictions. And they did what they were told without any fear of doing so. And that's really sad because we know that there is but one God that we bow down to. There is but one God that we worship. But these people were willing to do exactly what the king said. And we see that the majority of the people could care less that their, their world was becoming increasingly immoral. And they didn't care that Jesus was being blasphemed and that God was being blasphemed. And the majority of the people in the world today, it seems, feel the same way. They don't care if anything happens to a church building. They don't care if people who once were free to, to preach the truth of the word of God are silenced and aren't able to broadcast their, their services anymore. They don't care. More time for other things that we enjoy. But that's the kind of society that was taking place back in the day with these Hebrew boys. Not really anybody that was willing to take a, take a stand for the freedoms that were being taken away. Taking a stand for the freedoms that were being taken away. And this society, this culture, is very quick. Now think about this logically. And I'm sure you have. Um, and we don't hear so much about tolerance anymore because I think the tolerance issue and the tolerance argument doesn't hold a lot of weight anymore. Because as Christians, we are intolerant of people who don't feel the same way that we do. But people who don't feel the same way that we do are intolerant of the way that we feel. So they can't play the intolerant card, can they? Not really. But they have no problem calling us bigots and judgmental if we take a stand for Christ, if we take a stand for what is right. And people continue to reject the gospel. People continue to reject Christ and they mock and scorn the people that follow him. And that's what happened with these three Hebrew boys. They, they refused to bow down even though the majority of the people that were there had no problem doing it because they believed that God was God, that God was still God. Even though most of the people there were rejecting God and bowing down to this idol, they chose not to do so. So they took a stand for what was right. They took a stand for God. And it doesn't seem like it's really that different today, does it? How many of us are willing to take a stand for what is right in love or are we more likely to just kind of go along with the crowd? And does the church look a lot like the rest of the world today? Where are we with all this? What do we think about God in light of everything that's going on right now? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this off because I'm not even halfway through and I want to finish these last points when I've got time to do so. But I want us to think about that for just a minute. You know, when we have an opportunity to speak up in love and give truth, are we doing that? Are we looking for opportunities to give truth to people that may have never heard it? See, we have to consider the possibility 
that a lot of people that are backing things that are immoral have never been told what the Bible says about a particular issue. We just assume that everybody knows what we know and they're just choosing to reject it. And that may be the case in a lot of situations. But there have got to be some where people are just living the way they're living because they've never been taught any different. You know, it speaks of the responsibility that we have as parents to teach our children and to bring them up in church. But William, I failed in that. I messed up. I didn't take them when I should have. Well, you know, you start where you're at. You start right now. If we don't have a God of second chances, then who do we have? And he is willing to help you. And I'm going to tell you one thing, that when, when your children see the difference that Christ has made in your life, you are, you are one of the biggest influences in your children's lives. And when you allow Christ to work through you, they're going to see it, and it's going to affect them. So it makes a difference, the choices that we make. It makes a difference, the things that we do. It makes a difference, the things that we choose to bow down to. Because people are looking. People that we love. Our children. Our families. Our spouses. Our friends. And I'm telling you this. Because this is what the word of God says. That as you stand up. And you give truth. From the word of God. Not my truth and not your truth. That you just kind of came up with. By mixing a whole lot of things together. And reaching in and pulling something out. No when you give. Actual biblical truth. It changes people because it's alive and it's working and you give it and it goes out and it starts to do things it starts to chip away at the things that people are believing and thinking and they begin to doubt well maybe there's a little something to this and then what happens is as we read from scripture once you've planted that seed and that's starting to work on that person and the holy spirit starts to do his thing then somebody else will come along and they'll water it and they'll give some more truth. And it chips away a little bit more at that unbelief and that confusion. And that's the beauty of, of the gospel, the good news. It comes into the dark places and it brings light. And it takes people like you and me willing to just make a, make a, a split-second decision to do the right thing and stand up for what's right and what's true. I've, I have been on the side of culture before where I have sided with culture and I felt a part of things. I felt like I was included, which is a big part of your psychological makeup and mine. We want to be included. We want to be accepted. And I have sided on, I've gone with the side of culture and, and, and honestly immorality before. But there's no peace in that. And it leads down all the wrong roads. But when you take a stand for what's right and what's true, even though it's hard, and maybe even though at one point you didn't agree with it, but now you see the truth and you do, you say that and it will make a difference. And I say how important it is now because we are, it seems like, I'll say it again, we're at the end of the end times. And it may not be much longer. That we have an opportunity to stand and speak and give truth. So are we going to take advantage of the opportunities that we do have? Everybody in here has a different 
circle of influence. For our young people, it's going to be their friends. It's going to be their family. Uh, for, for a lot of you that work, it's going to be the people that you work with. For those of you who are working at home, it's going to be the people that you have virtu- the Zoom meetings and stuff with. Uh, it's going to be the people that you talk with on the phone. I'm going to tell you what they used to tell us at Sears. Or they didn't tell me this, but um, um, everybody knows what a Sears maintenance agreement is, right? Can I get an amen? Okay, we, I used to go to the break room, and I'd have to go by the uh, maintenance agreement office where people called after you bought an appliance and said, you want to get that maintenance agreement? I had to go by that, their offices, and on, in front of every desk uh, and every phone, there was a uh, sign, and it said, is your voice smiling? And we can take that, and we can ask ourselves, um, is God coming through what I'm saying? Is God coming through what I'm doing? Because here's another great benefit that you and I have as children of God. He lives inside of us, and he likes to show himself through us. So if we're unsure what to say and we're unsure what to do, we just do that thing called trust. We trust God, and we say, God, do it through me. And you know what he says every time? Okay. Are you going to let me? And then you say, Yep. And then that's the beauty of part of the beautiful, the beauty of the relationship we have with him. He's always with us and he's always willing to help us. So are we willing? We'll talk more about the Hebrew children next week if God allows. Because there's so much more to discuss and talk about.